Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Big Tech, Little Tech. I wanted to start this episode with a line about online shopping, which is our topic for this week. I tried to find out what the most popular items on the UK and Spanish Amazon sites were, but couldn't find a thing. So if anyone if anyone can help, please write to us. So Rick, no witty intro for this episode. <laughs> I was thwarted by the internet yet again. I thought you were going to ask me uh, about the weather and I was going to tell you how wonderfully warm and sunny it is here in southern Spain. But anyway, no. Well, actually, no. I mean, how are you in autumnal Spain? Are needles dropping off the cacti? Well, you know, the weirdest thing is, so we were over in, uh, we were over in Portugal last week shopping and, and there's a big supermarket uh, shopping centre in a place called Lule, which is just north of Faro. And they had all the Christmas decorations up, uh, the Christmas things for sale in the, in the store and because uh, it's beginning of October and I'm walking around in my flip-flops and my shorts and a t-shirt and it just doesn't feel right so I have to say I've <laughs> when you say autumn in Spain I'm not quite sure what you mean because the you know what I'm seeing and what I'm feeling doesn't kind of match the the fact that it's October but the weird thing is is when you walk around town all the locals will be dressed as though it's autumn um, whereas the Brits and the tourists will all be walking around in their shorts and flip-flops it's quite it's quite bizarre so quite they, bizarre mm, yeah the anyway, things anyway. we get used to anyway before we get stuck into our main topic what tech has interested you this week well there's two things and the first one I thought of you because you're a movie buff aren't you Sean you like I am yeah I do like me films so do you watch movies with subtitles I do you do. So look, there was this survey by uh, an outfit called Preply, and they found that um, it varies by age group as to how much they're using subtitles. Now, 70% of Gen Z, so Gen Z, for those that don't know, is anyone today between the age of about 10 and 25, 70% of Gen Z watch movies and television with the subtitles on. And then it reduces to 53% for the millennials, which is the 26 to 41-year-olds. And it goes down. So baby boomers like me, which is anyone over the age of 57, only watch it a third of the time. And we're talking about, we're talking about foreign films, or are we talking about normal films? But with the sub- We're talking about watching Netflix, uh, the latest movie on Netflix, and you have the subtitles on. I was interested in this because my daughter, my youngest daughter, who's nearly 30 uh, she watches netflix with subtitles all of the time and she kind of got us into it but the odd thing is is that you think it was the other way around because you think the older watchers maybe a bit harder hearing would use subtitles but it's not it's the younger demographics do you want to know why it's the netflix and kind of tiktok influencing culture thing and it's largely been enabled by ai now um most people probably don't really recognize, but in 2017, Netflix started using AI to make their captures, uh, their, their subtitles, their, their captions, uh, captions yeah. more entertaining. What do you mean by that? Yeah, in the old days, it used to be a manual. You know, someone like a copywriter, like, you know, would be typing it in and they would just write them. Whereas now they use AI and they, they add all of these little things where they'll tell you what the sound is and. They'll, they'll give you other little cues, but they deliberately write it in a way so that it's more entertaining and engaging. And then when you look at it from a TikTok point of view, every, every vi- most videos, the majority of videos on TikTok have some form of captions. And uh, in fact, the default on, on TikTok is that they're automatically turned on so that people can watch videos in silence. So the younger generation are used to watching their television, their movies, their videos with captions. And it's kind of like, to me, it's like upside down. So what do you think of that? 
Well, I think it's, I actually find it fascinating. You know, I think I've said this a few episodes ago that generally any Matthew McConaughey movie uh, has to have subtitles for us because we can't <laughs> understand what he's saying. But that aside, um, yeah, I find that really fascinating. Well, one of the things, we've started doing it, but largely because um, the way they make movies now, where they're making them for the cinema, the sound actually can be quite poor when you watch it through yeah. just an ordinary television because they've, They've not, they've not, they're not producing them for uh, streaming. Well, it's compression. They, they put comp- so much compression on it that yeah. sometimes the audio is so muffled. Yeah, yeah, we sometimes watch movies, brand new movies, big movies, and, and you just cannot really understand everything. So we often watch that. But the thing is, I remembered something. When I saw this, I thought, now, I remember oh, years and years and years ago having been tr- uh, training on how to give powerpoint presentations you remember the days when we used to do powerpoint presentations and one of the things i always remembered is that the human brain cannot listen and read at the same time so i thought how is this working then how is it good and and um uh, and, and it's because people are are actually just vocalizing the words with the mm. with the with the sound in background as kind of filler so we're actually not listening to the words we're reading them because you because reading is actually a in, in, in the way the brain works is a version is a kind of a way of of listening because you talk to you you read it to yourself and so you actually hear it in your head uh, from your own from reading it so you can't actually listen and read at the same time and i thought that was interesting that 70 percent of gen z are doing that you know so apparently yeah, that's that, that is upside down and it's, it's a really good one uh, my tech of the week is actually to do with audio as well it's to do on, with then. siri good old siri celebrated it's 11th birthday on the 4th of October. And uh, I think it's had its ups and downs over the year. And, and in this house, we continue to have an unbalanced relationship. But I still love Siri. You know, it's hard to stay mad when something goes wrong because it. Siri has managed to use the charm offensive really well. We use the voice that sounds most like Paddington Burr. So <laughs> you can't stay angry. You know, when it gets all these things wrong. So, yes, my tech of the week is, is Siri. Happy birthday, Siri. Happy birthday, sir. I didn't know it was 11 years old, yeah? Yeah, 11. Can you believe that? Yeah. It's kind of overshadowed on the, on the day. So it was released, I, th- I forget which iOS it was released for, but it was for the iPhone 4, the 4th of October 2011, and it was overshadowed because the very next day, Steve Jobs died. Oh, I remember. Yes. Yeah. Did you know that the original British male voice was a guy called John Briggs? And he was the voiceover guy for The Weakest Link. He was uh, the original British voice for Siri. I didn't know that either. Yeah. I didn't and know And he that. didn't know that he was going to become that because obviously these voiceover people, they do the, they put their words down, they go to the studios and they leave it. And years later, someone's taken their yeah. voice print and used it for uh, the biggest company in the world. Well, I never. Who was, um, the, le- who was the, um, the Weakest Link? Who was the, the, the woman... Who did oh, Anne Robinson. Anne Robinson. I used to do, I yeah. did like The Weakest Link. She was, um, she was brutal. Can you imagine a virtual assistant with Anne Robinson? I know, I know, I know. But I've got another one. I, I, I had, I, I'm going to try and squeeze two little kind of tech updates because, no, look, I have to just mention the fact that Elon Musk has now decided 
um, to turn uh, about turn yet again oh, and is yeah. now going ahead yeah. with a Twitter thing. I've written about eight articles on this and it's only been about six months. So it's the most, it's the thing I've written most about in the last six months. And I didn't intend to, it's just that it just keeps coming up with great news. And so, um, and as someone that's got, you know, three shares in Twitter, I'm, I'm delighted to, that someone's going to take them <laughs> off my hands for $54. Cause I like Twitter, but it's a shitty business and it's probably not worth more than about $20. So thank you, Elon. I look forward to my check for $180. Um, in time for my Christmas shopping. <laughs> Here's the news. Australian telecoms company Optus exposed the data of about 10 million customers, roughly 40% of Australia's population, because of a data breach that some experts say could be the worst in Australia's history. Data included names, birth dates, home addresses, phone and email details, and even passport and driving license numbers. Australian MP Claire O'Neill said that when it comes to cybersecurity, Australia is probably a decade behind. Google is closing its cloud gaming service called Stadia in January 2023. Stadia was launched in 2019, and the reason given for the closure is that the service didn't gain traction with users. Current players will apparently be refunded. European MPs have voted for a law that requires all new portable devices to use a USB-C charger from 2024. Laptop manufacturers will have until 2026 to make the change. And finally, a Russian AI company called DeepCake found itself at the centre of many misleading stories recently. It was said that film star Bruce Willis had sold the rights to his face so that deepfake versions of his famous mug could be used in future projects. The company said, The wording about rights is wrong. Bruce couldn't sell anyone any rights. They are his by default. The two parties did actually collaborate on an advert for telecoms company Megaphone. Rick, can I have a grumble of the week? Go on then. Of course you can. My grumble of the, my grumble of the week is that I can't watch the third season of All Creatures Great and Small because Channel 5 has obviously completed its digital transformation. In other words, it has updated its apps and has put a registration wall up. Now, I'm okay with signing up for things if the cost is minimal, but Channel 5 wants my email address, my phone number, my postcode and my birth date. Now, I would argue a TV company doesn't need to have that much information, especially if it's none of their business, and I don't trust them to keep it safe. So, no third season of All Creatures for me, and that was my grumble of the week. Oh. Well, what's the harm with giving them that information? I mean, if they're giving you the show for free. No, I didn't expect you to say that. It's not really for free, though, is it? You see, it's not all about money. You see, I think your data is the cost. Yeah, exactly. Now, every single week I read about another data breach somewhere. And, you know, part of the news there was Australia um, being a decade behind on cybersecurity, forty percent of the population exposed all of that information. Mm. Now, why why does a TV company want my birthday? Why does it want my postcode? Well, because it's got to sell it. To, sell, it's got to make money some way. Look, I, I'm yeah, kind of with you in the sense. Well, it's a, it's it's, a, it's actually a commercial uh, channel. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, we're in a world now where that that, that horse has bolted. Your, your, your. Which one? Well, all, well, data. All of them. <laughs> yeah. No, what I mean is in terms of data, you know, have, putting your data in the care of someone that you can rely on to take, um, uh, to take care of it, to treat it, you know, and securely. And uh, e even the biggest organizations have been breached. So 
I can't, look, I don't want it. I think we should all be more, more careful online. But I, I, I'm not sure I'd be that worried about giving Channel 5 um, that information. And, you know, what they want is, a, you know, that's their trade, is you give them that information, which is enough for them to be able to market products to you or to say to their advertisers, look, we've got, we've got this guy in Cheshire that likes chocolate buttons and he's of a certain age, and then they can sell it to you. But, I mean, it's... I don't know. Uh, if you, it depends how much you like all creatures great in school. I, I small. I wouldn't have given it a second thought. You see, I, I, I think that's where there's probably daylight between us because I, I do think that you know, for instance, if they were to say to me, "All right, we won't have all of these things from you, but we'll take uh, five pound a month off you," I'll say, "All right, here's my five pound." That's fair enough. I think that I think giving them five pound is safer for me. Than yeah. them having my data, and I think you said it right up front there about yeah the horse has bolted. You know, they're even the biggest uh, companies in the world are leaking data. So why would I give it to one of the smallest companies? That's true. All right, well we are fast approaching the festive season, and despite economic circumstances, we are set to part with our hard-earned money as per usual. Mm. Our topic today is the state of online shopping and e-commerce. Who's shopping where and why? Who are the big players in online shopping and what might the future of shopping look like? Who are the big hitters in global terms? Who are the pack leaders in the world of e-commerce? So e-commerce accounts for roughly about a fifth of all retail sales globally. That's according to Statista. And I looked it up this morning. So you know, so roughly one in every five pound, dollar, yen, euro is kind of spent uh, online. And Amazon by far is the biggest. And we've talked about Amazon before. Um, the, the one that I am most interested in is the one that comes second to Amazon, which is the Chinese fast fashion app called Qian. And that's very much in what they call this social commerce space. This is where you're selling uh, retail products, but through social media. So there's a tie, there's a link between Shein and TikTok, um, and and then the others on there. You know, for for the listeners, just a, around Robin. You know, you've got you've heard of Alibaba. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the Craigslist. I, I was amazed to read that Craigslist is available in more countries than eBay. Well, Craigslist. I mean, Craigslist is one of those original early internet brands. I mean, you know, they yeah. they. But I think Craigslunch has had their Craig's Craigslist lunch. has had their lunch eaten. That's what I was trying to say, not Craig's lunch. I like Craig's lunch. Because though. if you think about what, you know, they they had the opportunity to be essentially the Amazon, uh, the equivalent of an Amazon in terms of uh, like replacing the what we used to call the classifieds in, in newspapers. Um, and they've kind of been overtaken. So they're still very big in certain niche areas, but I, I don't see them as um, as kind of the, one of the big brands that are that are taken over when it comes to alibaba i mean for those that don't know alibaba is like the chinese equivalent of amazon uh, it's far bigger than than amazon um but in and in china it's like the you know the, the same as amazon is here it kind of dominates i think in the in the west amazon take about 40 percent of all of online sales so it's they have a huge domination but i did read uh, that china accounts for 52.1 percent of all retail e-commerce sales worldwide. Yeah. So even though Amazon's the biggest, China have actually got the e-commerce. I guess it's because there isn't a lot of competition for Amazon 
in the West. Is that a good assumption or, or am I misguided? Yeah, I think, it's, I think that's the wrong way to look at it. I think the reason China is so far ahead of, of where we are on, from a digital transformation and digital evolution point of view. So you just think that already China has had for, since about 2015 what we now consider to be Apple Pay. Um, but it's 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 completely ubiquitous in there. The ability to buy things in what they call super apps, where you're the equivalent of WhatsApp. You imagine going into WhatsApp, but you can actually buy all of your tickets and all of your groceries and run all of these apps within a WhatsApp environment. Um, is is kind of just completely normal for the Chinese population, which is by far the biggest in the world anyway. It's what about one point. Was it about 1.4 billion, maybe 1.5 billion people in okay. China? And, America, you know, the combined population of America and Europe is less than a billion. So uh, I suppose Europe, if you include Russia, don't know. But anyway, so it's big. Mm. So it's going to be bigger size. But I think the reason is not because of competition to Amazon, which is a, which is a factor. But I think it's just that China is so m- much more advanced when it comes to... Uh, digital being ubiquitous in the economy true actually what what you're hinting at there is it's uh, largely to do with um, availability or ease of being able to shop it's well it is all of that but i think it's the cultural element as well you know when you look at when you look at the debates amongst policymakers and lawmakers which i sadly do from time to time there's still a resistance um to hanging on to the old ways of working you remember you probably remember back in the 80s when there was a debate about having sunday shopping in the uk yeah and there was a time when sundays were kept for the family you couldn't go to b&q on a sunday um there might be a little local news agent open on a sunday morning but that was it whereas because now you've got tesco's open on christmas day and it's kind of opened the world well you know you imagine that but from a digital access point of view you get an order of magnitude more shift, uh, a greater shift towards being able to buy things instantly, you know, as you want. And that is what that is what China has done. And China has built quite an impressive infrastructure um, around around digital technologies that just mean that whereas you and I might think, well, we want to go shopping. So we're going to get in a car and drive to a, a shopping center. Not, not that that's my favorite thing to do, but whereas they're not, they're not thinking in the same way. It's, it's done in a completely different way. So it's kind of like more of a cultural shift towards buying in a digital way. And the smart use of technology on top of that, uh, particularly with the use of you know, artificial intelligence to drive um, some of the smart ways to, um, uh, to buy and sell things and market things, I think it's just made it uh, a, a more accessible form of, of shopping than you get if you take a more sort of traditional Western view. And Sheehan is a great example of that. That's why, that's why, I, want, you know, that's why I was going to talk about them, uh, because, you know, they're a Chinese fashion retailer that is uh, unbelievably, uh, that's growing unbelievably and is, you know, bigger now than all of its comp- competition. When, did, when was it founded? When did it suddenly appear on the market? Well, it's about 10 years old as a company, um, but I think it's, it's kind of ridden on the back of TikTok and this shift towards instant everything so just to give you an old uh, you know a, a perspective so if you take comparable brands like zara and h&m you know they are adding zara will probably have maybe ten thousand fashion products what they call skus you know that would be individual items 
of 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 clothes. Yeah. Shein is adding ten thousand a day of products to this. Wow! And this is sort of concessionary. So these are other brands, are they? These are other. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, brands, yeah, yeah, and and a lot of this stuff, Sean, has not even been manufactured, so they don't they don't have any retail outlets. It's it's entirely done through the app, and people are generating products digitally and marketing them often through TikTok, and then um, but people go into the Shein app. Kids mainly will go into the Shein app, and every day it's like going onto a, a new page of a new day of TikTok because there's another you know ten thousand items to look through. And there's millions and millions, you know, thousands of combinations. Uh, and a lot of these things are sold for a dollar, two dollars, ten dollars, very cheap. And they're manufactured as they're ordered. Um, so they're not holding huge warehouses. And then the app, much like it does with TikTok, is looking at user feedback. So when they find a particular product that resonates well, just like TikTok would find a video that resonates well, it pushes it out more. And therefore it generate. it kind of goes viral. Yeah, I, I have a... Yeah, I have a similar thing. I, I use something called Thread, and Thread is um, an online. Uh, well, it's mainly an app. It works really, really well on my phone, uh, but it's showing me clothes from other brands, and um, it tells me how an outfit. So it'll put outfits together based on you know what I've looked at and what I've liked. So I like a blue shirt, then it tells me what to wear that blue shirt with. So it's very aspirational. There's a social element to it, but there's no community as such. Are you saying Sheehan has more of a community? Yeah. Well, it's well. There's two things really that comes out of that. So you've definitely got more of a, she- uh, a community. There'll be a hashtag for. It'll probably be called something like Sheehan Hall. And it'll have billions of views. Um, I'll, I'll go check it out. But there will be something where everybody will be kind of connected by an, aff- an affinity and association with the brand, even though the, the, it's not like an Adidas brand where the products are all kind of designed and produced with the brand in mind. This, the brand is the retailer, not the product itself. Yeah. What you're also seeing is this use of, of, of artificial intelligence and machine learning to create the products that people want. So like you said there, you know, I like a blue shirt. So let's say, for example, you like a pair of Levi's 501s and you've got a blue shirt, for argument's sake. And at the moment, you might look at two different adverts for those two different products and you're kind of like imagining them in your own mind's eye. Well, imagine them being able to go into the app and taking the Levi 501s and the blue shirt you like and putting them together and it puts them, it overlays them on you. So you can see you wearing them and you can. Yeah. Hashtag double denim. Yeah. Hashtag double denim. Yeah. <laughs> Which by the way, I quite like double denim, but anyway, <laughs> but no, but you imagine. And then what you do is you use your Siri voice activation and you say, can I, can I have it in a, in a smaller size or can I have long sleeves instead of short sleeves? Yeah. Yeah. And then what happens is the, the AI will remodel the shirt on you so you actually see yourself wearing it this goes back a few years because i think gap did this um with augmented reality and which you know the likes of ikea and uh, has already done for years now you know where you can place a chair in your living room Mm. using your phone and, and ar basically now the gap did this years ago as well where they uh created an avatar of you and then had the clothes that you chose, and you could see what they looked like on your avatar based on your size, your chest size, your waist size, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Mm. So, so I don't think the technology is new, but it sounds as if it's reached 
uh, critical mass. Well, it's the application of, isn't, isn't it? Because you remember when we talked about the Amazon stores the other week? I can't remember. We were, we were talking about the... Um, we did, didn't we? We talked about Amazon. Yeah. Well, one of the things they've introduced in their, in their stores, um, their retail halls, is that when you go into the changing room, because it's a smart store, and it knows what products you've picked by the, the tags, when you stand in front of the, the mirror, instead of putting them on, you see yourself in them in the in the mirror so it's that kind of it's that kind of uh, thing but one of the things it's fun yeah but yeah, one of the things I, I i i've seen if you look at the patents there's a there's a couple of newsletters that go out where people are looking at what patents have been filed for technologies and that's always kind of good fun because you get an idea as to what people are imagining they might be want to do and all of the brands are trying to make sure that they've secured them first and there's quite a lot of patents being filed for um uh, kind of custom-made clothing. So the idea is that, you know, Rick and Sean, we would have our digital avatars in our Amazon app or in our Amazon profile. Mm. We've trusted Amazon with our, with our personal statistics, Sean. <laughs> Not Channel 5. Not <laughs> Channel 5. But the whole point is that then, you know, Amazon would know precisely. It's not kind of a, are you a medium or are you a large? They know exactly... Uh, what yeah. your your d- and dimensions are and then when you pick a product they then can size the product to you specifically so when you say i'll have that blue shirt when it gets made it's actually custom made with some variations so tailoring wow yeah that's wow. the kind of that's that's the, a premium product yeah i think that's where amazon will go because if you imagine right okay. so it's such a nonsense isn't it so medium well some people a kind of a medium but they're a bit broader on the shoulders as we get older we get a bit broader around the middle and you know our lumps and bumps are not all in the same place well this has been the difference it's it's a, a difference between the people who can afford to have to shop on savile row and get tailored uh, to their dimensions and then the rest of us who shop at zara and whatever and have to have a medium or a large or an excel <laughs> just buy one size bigger to cover yeah Uh, yeah, exactly are (laughs) we saying then that the future of amazon is to break that wall break that ceiling a little bit i don't know if it'd be amazon i i I certainly think they or whoever i i mean i would put money that it would be amazon i mean that you know they are they have the scale they certainly have the technical capabilities they have the 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 now the now know-how there's no question uh about that it wouldn't surprise me if it was amazon but i would think it's more likely to come from a china Chinese company first. Well, in the UK, Rick, right behind it, this is a, an interesting thing. The, the biggest one here, obviously, is Amazon for, for e-commerce and online shopping. But right behind it are Tesco and Sainsbury's. Oh, yeah, great. And, yeah. You know, and, and Argos is in fourth. Now, interestingly, the fifth place, the fifth biggest uh, um, online store in the UK is John Lewis. Now, John Lewis, for those who don't know, is a department store. It predominantly specializes in in clothing and and homewares now this would be right up their street wouldn't it sort of the the personal tailoring idea and using technology if only they weren't 10 years behind everyone else yeah. in tech well i think you know. th- yeah there's there's two th- I, I think there's two bits that there's this kind of let's say let's come on to like groceries right you know the the tesco's mm. in a minute but coming back to the john lewis the problem with the john lewis is that it's it's old world products and what we're talking about is a shift towards a new world products and you know the old world retailers the way they worked was they had these big expensive 
um, real estate on a on a high street, they would then go out and they would plan the autumn winter connection. They would then manufacture them six or eight months out, and then they would second guess how many they would sell. And there was a huge amount of capital tied up. There was a huge risk, um, uh, a huge amount of um, uh, uh, kind of risk to things outside their control, like weather. You know, you suddenly yeah. you've made you know you've bought a, a bag load of umbrellas, and it's you have a dry winter. You're kind of screwed a bit. Whereas the, the fashion retailers now. And Amazon are, are no different. Um, they're not. They're not doing it that way. What they're doing is they're saying, "This is the product we've got. Would you like to buy it?" I mean, Amazon were doing mm. it first with books. You remember when they first started? Yeah. You know, they used, they would sell books and then they would print them as you ordered it. They still do that today, and and would we'll go the same way with fashion. In which case, you don't need expensive um, uh, shops on the high street. Um, you don't need to carry huge amounts of inventory. You don't need to type a whole load of cash or making 10,000 light blue, you know, dark blue T-shirts that nobody then wants to buy. And what happens is you can, you can, the feedback loop from these digital apps is so tight that you can say, well, if we just tweak the design a little bit, it will be more appealing. And you can do that real time. And then you take the orders and you send them through. And because the supply chain now, well, has been, you know, I mean, we're kind of, be interesting to see as we come out of what longer we come out of covid how much supply chains go back to where they were but the supply chains are that you can literally make them um in a very short period of time to, to order what i'm suggesting is that i think it will go one stage further which is that it will also be custom kind of custom fitted in more in a way than than it is today because you'd still order a medium and a medium would be a medium but imagine if it was sean's medium might be different to rick's medium uh, by by you know a centimeter or a half or whatever statistics corner e-commerce fraud is a significant global problem here are a few statistics to wrap your head around as we approach a busy shopping season the u.s is the most fraud prone country with 34 percent of consumers saying they were most likely to be victims of fraud e-commerce retailers deal with an average of 206 hundred web attacks a month Companies will spend about $9.6 billion yearly on fraud detection by 2023. 33% of young people aged 20 to 29 report more cases of fraud than older people aged 70 to 79. However, older people lose more in terms of value. And finally, credit card fraud is the most common type of identity theft at 20%, followed by imposter scams. I think the interesting thing is is that we went straight to um, the sort of the future of e-commerce, and that was the last thing I was going to talk about. But I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's how it naturally went. So, so let's carry on with that. But I want to hear uh, you were going to nail groceries, so go for it because it's it's quite pertinent groceries for for shopping as well. You know, people think it's all about gifts, but you know, mm. I don't have the stats right now. But the amount of money we spend on roast potatoes. And the sprouts <laughs> at this time of year is, must be through the roof. Yeah. Well, I think there's been a, there was a big shift through the pandemic <clears throat> because of lockdown where people went to online shopping. And I don't think, mm. whereas a lot of things have, have reversed back, like going to work and, work and, you know, everyone thought everyone would be working from home and that's not kind of stayed that way. 
But when it comes to online shopping, it does look as though <clears throat> we got used to having our groceries delivered. Uh, a brand like Instacart, which is pretty big and growing very well in the in in the United States, you know, they already have I don't know seventy five thousand retail locations and sixty thousand users. They're 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 a huge, but they are looking at ways to integrate both the hardware and the technology to deliver groceries to people so that you don't have to be asked to go out to the the supermarket and then you look at what amazon are doing amazon are kind of going the other way so we talked the other week about palm scanning for payments and the walkout technology where you can just walk in a in a store but actually the the kind of the direction of travel seems to be that people want their their food uh, delivered delivered to them and uh, instacart are particularly pushing you know hard in that area I think that COVID really did have an effect on it. I think it helped people get over the fear factor of how do you do it? How do you do I have to use the internet? That that sort of thing. Yeah. And once they had to, I think COVID produced that scenario. They realized, well, this is easier than I thought. And and you're right. It's not going to revert back now because it is nice to have someone knock on your door and deliver two boxes of groceries. Isn't yeah. It? And there's very little value add in going to the shop. I mean, there's some, sometimes if you're buying fresh fruit, for example, you want to go there to the market and pick that. You want to have a prod of everything. Yeah, but if yeah. you're going to buy toilet rolls and cat litter and washing up liquid, then they're heavy, they're bulky. And quite frankly, nobody really cares much apart from your cat as to the, you know, what, what, she's, what they're getting. And, that, they, you know, that's not, they're not that choosy. So why not get that delivered during the pandemic? Uber which we all know as a sort of a, a firm that moves people around. They were making more money moving food around during the last couple of years. I think it's reverted back now than they were from making, from moving people around. So um, this notion of yeah. online shopping for grocery, I think is, is probably going to go faster than for fashion. That seems to be the trend from, my, from what I can see. Yeah, yeah. And then there's other products as well, because I have a theory about what the future retail might look like. And I had this quite a few years ago, and it feels as if I'm seeing more and more evidence of it all the time. And it's that experiential side of things. I always thought that, you know, shops would sort of disappear in the way that we know them. High street brands would disappear the way that we currently know them which is you know uh, renting massive spaces and and filling it almost like a warehouse mm. whereas i think the future of shopping may be that we do more of it more of it online it's digitally augmented but we still physically go to a place to touch it to feel it to get a sense of what the product is you just don't walk away with it that day and what you do instead you say uh, well, I want to buy this now. So you push a little button on your app and it's delivered either the same day or the next day. Mm. And I think that allows for all sorts of brands to actually have smaller footprints on the high street so that we have more things to look at or, you know, so, you know, people say high streets are becoming ghost towns. I don't think they have to. I think experience stores are the way forward rather than small warehouses so i'm with you 100 percent. that tactile experience of of touching and feeling products um it just seems to be you can't replace that by looking at a screen i remember growing up as a kid my mum always used to have like a little what was it a catalogue you know so buy these catalogues and she'd look through and yeah. she'd choose stuff and then three weeks later it'd be delivered and she'd try it all on all that kind of stuff and you know we 
there's still a bit of us as uh, I think as a generation that haven't really moved on a bit from that. We want to feel it and look at it. But my sense is that the generation, which are the Gen Z's, the 10 to 25 year olds, they've not experienced it in the same way. They've not grown up watching their mum each week working out how much she could she could buy on credit um, on tick, you know, as we used to call it from the, from the catalog they're used to buying things digitally they're used to just buy seeing what they want and then and then taking it so i i suspect that the reality is it will probably there's a general there's and I, I i've no data to this is just my my opinion i just think that a younger demographic probably don't see it quite as as clear as you and i would as being a bit older and they probably are much more comfortable at just buying something online and a lot of this stuff is so throwaway anyway they're kind of even like 200 quid pair of sneakers they don't sort of think anything of that and then deciding they don't want them after three months and then giving them away or reselling them so i think attitudes are changing so how much will you be using online shopping <laughs> approach christmas do you use it who, who do you shop with online? amazon yeah amazon uh yeah, I, I'm, I'm, like every, I'm like everybody else. Um, when it comes to products, I go to Amazon first for search. Mm. Uh, very rarely go to Google. If I can't find it on Amazon, then I go to, to Google. And that is the, although Google has like 95% of the search market, when it looks specifically at e-commerce, they, they're, they're second to Amazon. Um, so I'm, I'm like most people. Um, and, and because we live here and most of the people we're buying presents for are, are not here. In Spain. They're back in the UK. Then actually buying on Amazon. And of course, nowadays you can get wish lists. People can tell you what they want. It's so easy and convenient, which is the whole like mantra for for Bezos in the first place with Amazon. So no, we would use Amazon. Um, For Sue and I, we might, you know, if we we buy each other our Christmas gifts, we might go out shopping for the day. But that's the experience of going out for the day rather than, you know, we buy, the buying of it is a, is the byproduct. Um, yeah, certainly. Yeah. For me. So, do you get your clothes from Amazon, or you tend to physically shop? For no, I tend to physically shop for my clothes. I've not. Got, yeah. <laughs> no, I go I physically shop, but I. Um, but do you do the Waterstones trick? My my Waterstones trick is is I love to go in a bookshop, um, but I generally won't buy from there because they're too expensive. Uh, yeah, I do that. Yeah, I definitely do the right. Water- so, do you do that for clothes? No, no, I don't look, at, and that's because. Um, the brands that I I like to wear, um, I can get in the shops, and we have pretty good shops in my town and nearby. So, um, and I have to say, I don't. I'm not a great one for buying. I used to, <laughs> I used to buy loads, but you know, I don't need many. I mean, there's only so many t-shirts and pairs of shorts you need. So, um, Amazon loves you. I, I like Etsy as well. Do you ever? My wife Etsy? uses Etsy a lot. In fact, she has a she has mm. a store on Etsy. For her stuff, ah, yeah, you'll have to uh, share that with yeah. me after the call. Yeah, she likes Etsy. Yeah. She, my wife makes things, and she uh, she likes Etsy. I've never I've never bought anything from Etsy. It's, it's not- actually a really nice transaction as well. They they make it nice and easy, so it's a really good app. So if you purely look at uh, your wife's account, just for having a look at how well built that app is, it's worth it. Oh, right. it's worth spending yeah, I'll have a, I'll have a look. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you have grocery delivery services in Spain? <laughs> Yeah, and we have hot water and we have electricity. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, both. We do. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've had the telephone since uh, since 2000. Do you know what? It sounds like, it. you know, I, I get it now. I get it. You've made your point. 
All right, some final tips, tips for people listening. And oh, do you know what? It just there is something here I wanted to ask you. I, I looked up the the popular things to buy right now. Mm. Apparently, one of them is is called ashwagandha tea. I I apologise for my pronunciation. And blue light glasses, <laughs> right? But number nine on this list are pickleball paddles. <laughs> Is that the same game you play? So uh, I've never heard of that tea, but I'm immediately drawn to it because I love tea. Uh, and it's for managing stress. Love different tea. I, uh, I'm immediately. Yeah. You're going to have to because I, I don't know what you said, but if you put it in the it, <laughs> show notes, uh, ashwagandha. Yeah, uh, ashwagandha. Yeah. Yeah. Look, remember, you talk with an accent that is hard for me to understand anyway. So you know, I can't <laughs> understand. I can't go there. Um, blue. I did buy myself some blue glass, blue lens glasses. Complete waste of did time. You? Yeah, I didn't like them at all. Um, and yet they're at number two on the yeah, list. Yeah, maybe it was just me. Yeah. Um, but pickleball. So that's interesting. So my, uh, I have uh, uh, some friends who are American who live in on the other side of the border in Portugal who I play golf with. And they are Americans and they've brought pickleball to the town called Villa Real, which is uh, the Portuguese opposite uh, to me. And um, But I play paddle, which is, which is different. I mean, they're similar, but they're also... They're all very, very different. But they are two American women, who, ladies, who have introduced pickleball into the, the east end of the Algarve. And uh, it's become very popular. They have about 30 people. And they've taken it to the schools now. All right. Okay. Well, here's some final tips uh, for listeners out there for shopping online. All right. Five tips. Always check the padlock in your browser's address bar. This means it's a secure site. If you can, use a password manager. Number three, try not to shop or check your bank balance while using a public Wi-Fi. If you do, use a VPN, virtual private network. Number four, have a separate bank account just for shopping. Put enough money in it to cover your shopping and turn off the overdraft feature. And number five, only shop with brands you know and trust. Never Channel 5. Yeah. I'll tell you, so on that last one, so my wife just had an experience. So she, two months ago... um, she said, oh, I need some new flip-flops. And she wanted some Ipanema uh, flip-flops. And we have a shop in town that sells them, but there were none there that suited her eye. So she went online and she found Ipanema.es and she ordered, she spent 40 euros on some um, some flip-flops. And they never came and they never came and they never came. And we've now found that it was a scam site. Uh, so I guess to your nice. point of the only buy from brands you trust, this was a site branded Ipanema.es. It had all Ipanema pictures on it. And it was only when we started looking into it, where are these things? Where are these, these flip-flops? Um, it turns out it's scam. And luckily, we, um, uh, we've got our money back through the, uh, uh, the, the bank uh, card that we use. Cancelled your cards, changed your account. Uh, no, we haven't done. No, we've had no more. <laughs> uh, well, actually, no, I mean, it was two months ago. We've had no instance of that. But they took the money. That's good. They took the forty euros, and apparently, there's yeah. we're not the first. Um, so yeah, you have to be very careful who you buy from. Yeah, yeah, very careful. Good advice there, Sean. I thought I'd drop a quiz in your lap to end the episode. Directly. You didn't tell me this. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I, I like surprises. <laughs> I thought you did too. I'm going to give you the original names of five companies and brands. You have to tell me what they are now better known as. All right, it's just for fun. I don't like this already. It's just for fun, even though I know you'll be incredibly disappointed with yourself if you don't nail all five of these. All right, so, all right, number one, Zimride. 
Simride. Mm. God. Z-I-M-R-I-D-E. Well, I don't know, but I'm going to guess Segway. It's Lyft. Oh, really? Yes. God. All right, number two. Number two, Mondo. Ah, oh, Mondo. Now that rings a bell. Go on, I don't know that one either. Monzo. Oh, Monzo, okay. Monzo, yeah. Yeah. Number three, back rub. Back rub? Um, can you just give me sort of a clue? It's not an ointment. <laughs> back rub? No, I don't know either. Yeah. Google. You're kidding. I know, isn't that amazing? All right, number four is Matchbox. Matchbox. Clues in the name. Clever, they, they rename themselves quite cleverly on this Matchbox. Match.com? I don't know. No, but you. Tinder? This, this is why they changed. Yes, it is Tinder. Oh. It is Tinder. You got one right, <laughs> and that's exactly why they changed it because it sounded too much like Match.com. Right. And so they changed it to Tinder. And obviously, Tinder and Matches, very good. Number five, Confinity. Confinity. Um, Confinity. So. I've gone. I've got no idea. PayPal. You're joking. Confinity. I know, isn't it? It doesn't Confinity sound like the worst corporate name ever? Yeah. All right, you know, I'm going to throw in a last one. It isn't a tech company. It's an example of trying to change your name and failing miserably. So they reverted to their old name. All right. Mm. So which company changed its name to Consignia and reverted back after spending about two million quid trying to make it work? Oh, God, that rings a bell. I don't know. Go on. Royal Mail. Do you remember? Oh, I do remember that. That would have been back when you were alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed the quiz. Thanks no, I didn't, actually. In, everyone. <laughs> you didn't. Because <laughs> I, I, I only got one wrong, right? <laughs> right okay. The, that, I'm, I'm going to take that as a challenge, right? You've, you've thrown down... You've thrown down the, the gauntlet. The gauntlet is Okay. Down. Yeah. I gave you such an easy All quiz right. the other week. Get over it. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to our 11th episode. We will be back in a couple of weeks with more analysis and not-too-serious conversation about big tech, little tech, and everything in between. This has been a Sean Weston Media production. I was Sean Weston. And I'm a very bruised Rick Huckstep. (laughs) 